Welcome to our exchanges at Goldman Sachs Markets Update for Friday, May 29th. Each week, we check in with a leader across the firm to get their quick take on what they're watching in the markets. I'm Jake Seward, Global Head of Corporate Communications here at the firm. And today's return guest is Michael Cassell of our Global Markets Division. We had Michael back on in February, and things have certainly changed a little bit since then. Welcome back to the program, Michael. Thanks for having me, Jake. So what's the top story in markets you're watching this week? The escalation in U.S.-China tensions are front and center for our clients and our trading desk. I won't go through the headlines here, but there's clearly been tensions in in U.S. pension allocations in recent weeks. There's been you know exchange delisting fears. There's been concerns over trying to fulfilling this Phase One trade deal, and this has obviously escalated to a point where you know today, over the last couple of days, the U.S. State Department no longer considers Hong Kong to have enough autonomy under Chinese rule, and that's just as China passes the national security law, which is going to have some clear implications for Hong Kong. So tying this into markets, there's some pockets of weakness around, but we've seen our clients generally compartmentalize the the US-China trade risk or US-China risk so far. There's still a glass half full approach to generic risk asset pricing. I I would say that this week we've seen a step change in focus from clients on the US-China issue. A lot of concern that this issue could unravel their performance year to date. So we have a lot of clients looking at cross-asset hedges, either to protect themselves or, or to add alpha. In terms of markets, there's a modest amount of risk premium priced uh, into China, but I think it's not enough not only to warrant what we're seeing this week in general over the past couple of weeks, but I think the path of least resistance from here is clearly further escalation. So we think more risk premium can be built into Chinese assets. For example, the Chinese yuan is forward markets are only pricing about 1% of weakness over the next six months. So we think that's quite a low bar. For example, we're seeing currencies sell the currency outright. We're seeing clients put on cheap limited loss structures, which allows them to benefit from a controlled you know, C&H weakness. And, and this not only does it protect our clients, but it's in line of our view that the PBOC or the People's Bank of China will not allow like a rapid devaluation just for strategic reasons. On the Taiwan front, we're seeing plenty of shorts in the Taiwan dollar. These are popular for just domestic reasons and US-China reasons. The market's actually pricing for the Taiwan dollar to strengthen over the next six months despite the current issues. And it's had a lot of sensitivity to China sell-offs in the past. And, uh, and finally, we're just seeing a lot of interest in, in other proxies like Aussie dollar, for example. Um, you know, shorting that or selling the Aussie dollar just to, just to protect themselves against these issues. So, Michael, beyond U.S.-China, what are some other factors that clients are focused on right now? Sure. I'd say the U.S. yield curve has been a major theme for the past month. Like, not only has the U.S. yield curve flirted with you know, negative rates in the front end, but we're seeing pressure in higher, longer-end yields. So just breaking it down, in the, in the front end, we're having discussions of clients on how this cycle is going to be different to other cycles. So the Fed's going to be more confident this cycle of keeping the front end of the rates curve pinned through various types of forward guidance and generally just not lifting off until inflation and employment are close to their targets, especially versus you know, previous cycles. Fed leadership are now publicly discussing yield curve control as well, which could further pin yields in the front end. And just strategically speaking, we think it's just going to be tough for them to take negative yields off the table. I think you've got to bear in mind that it took the Fed seven years to hike after their last cut in 2008. So if we have some confidence that hike probabilities are very low for the next two, three, four years, it's not a wild stretch to see negative rates price or even materialising over the next year or two if we run into issues. And then just moving out the yield curve a little bit, the lower for longer front end actually feeds into a steeper yield curve further out. So if the Fed keeps short-dated yields low or lower than they usually would in prior cycles, this helps generate inflation and they eventually have to normalise rates at a faster pace down the track. 
So if you combine this setup with a, um, a massive step up in net supply of treasury bonds, you've got very compressed inflation expectations further out the curve, and you've got conditions that are ripe for long-end yields to rise more than short-end yields over the medium term. And another point within this is that break-even or market-implied inflation is actually extremely low at the moment. So we're helping clients navigate that opportunity there. So for a decade, people observing the markets in the wake of the financial crisis talked about how everything was correlated. Have some of those correlations broken down in the wake of COVID? Yeah, definitely. So one of the big ones in, in February and March for the breakdown in correlations of with gold, fixed income, dollar yen, which is extremely painful for some of our client base. A lot of our clients use, for example, fixed income as hedges and fixed income or bond prices actually sold off on some of the biggest risk off days. And that obviously hurt many of our clients. So these breakdown and correlations are important. They're continuing to change after that initial shock as well. So we're just helping them navigate this new kind of regime and these new correlations at the moment. So you've been working from home for a little while now. What, what's one thing you've learned working from home? Um, well, we've obviously had to fill up some extra time. So we're taking care of a, of a lovely 90-year-old neighbor of ours through COVID in a, in a very socially distanced manner. Um, we've also had to settle for getting a hamster for the time being instead of a dog. Uh, which that's is a, a, that's a good hedge on, on return to office. Well, thanks for joining us today, Michael. Thanks, Jake. Appreciate it. That's all for this week's Markets Update on Exchanges Goldman Sachs. And in case you missed it, Check out our other episode this week with Heath Terry from Goldman Sachs Research, who dives deep into clean energy and particularly advances in nuclear power technology as part of our Venture Capital Horizon series. Thanks for listening. Hope everyone's safe. Have a great weekend. This podcast was recorded on Thursday, May 28th, 2020. Thank you. All price references and market forecasts correspond to the date of this recording. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute research or a recommendation from any Goldman Sachs entity to the listener. Neither Goldman Sachs nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information contained in this podcast, and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Goldman Sachs, and Goldman Sachs is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of investment advice by Goldman Sachs to that listener, nor to constitute such person a client of any Goldman Sachs entity.